Good afternoon and welcome to the City View podcast. I'm Andy Sylvester, the editor here at City AM. All the talk today about the windfall tax, or rather the temporary targeted energy levy um, that will be put on North Sea oil and gas retailers, announced by Rishi Sunak today as part of a widespread cost of living package for the most hard-pressed Brits. We'll talk about that and much more, uh, including the ongoing takeover of Twitter with Interactive Investors Victoria Scholar in just a minute. Always good to have Victoria on the programme. But for now, the corporate news. And Ted Baker has narrowed its losses as the fashion brand appears to be edging closer to a private equity takeover. London-listed retailer posted a loss before tax of just $44 million in preliminary results for the year ended uh, January 2022. That's an improvement of about 70-odd million from the year prior. Group revenue up 20% to $428 million. Strong sales momentum had continued into 22 after what CEO Rachel Osborne said was a steady return to the office and social events. Earlier this week, private equity giant Sycamore pulled out of a bidding war for the brand. Uh, the retailer revealing it had now received several revised takeover proposals from other parties. Transport Group First Group has announced it is considering a £1.2 billion takeover bid from private equity group I-squared. In a note to investors, First Group had told shareholders it had previously rejected more than one bid from I-squared, but it was currently considering this latter bid, uh, £118 per share, which is about where this share is trading, but there will also be a 45p uplift depending on the outcome of First Group's divestment from US transport firm First Transit, as well as the proceeds from Greyhound Sale, a rather complex arrangement, but nonetheless um, one that is being considered rather more seriously than previous iterations. Lowering Heathrow's airport charges will impact passenger services, according to the airport's chairman, Lord Dayton. Former commercial secretary to the Treasury, Dayton said higher airport charges are needed if Heathrow wants to remain Britain's hub airport and deliver an excellent service to travellers. Just because airlines argue for a cheaper plan, that doesn't mean it delivers anything but trouble for passengers, he wrote today on Conservative Home. Underinvestment means queues, delays and a reputation for hassle. Speaking of hassle, more of it for the BBC. Cultural Secretary Nadine Dorries launching a charter review of the BBC, which will examine if reforms are needed to ensure greater impartiality of the public broadcaster. The midterm review of Auntie will examine whether the broadcaster is delivering for licence fee payers and consider whether a more diverse workforce or greater impartiality should be on the cards. BBC also announcing it will ditch BBC Four today as part of cost-cutting measures. Elsewhere, the government is looking at the build-up of stock by French-Israeli billionaire Patrick Drahi in BT on national security grounds. Definitely one to watch. And elsewhere, there are plenty of warnings around that businesses could be hit by a raft of new climate change legislation, which will turn into significant regulatory burden. Um, that's all on the corporate news front. There's plenty more on cityam.com and in cityam tomorrow in the newspaper. But for now, let's bring in Victoria Scholar from Interactive Investor. Victoria joins us every fortnight to look at news both this side of the Atlantic and the other. Victoria, um, we usually talk about matters in the city. Uh, today, we'll kick off with matters in Westminster, I suppose, and how it impacts on the city. The announcement of a a windfall tax that isn't called a windfall tax, a temporary levy on energy companies or, or whatever it was that Rishi Sunak came up with today <laughs> as part of a cost of living package um, of some scale and significance, it has to be said. If you're explaining this to an alien, you would have expected BP and Shell's share prices to collapse through the floor upon the announcement, but that yeah. hasn't happened um, in large part because of some of the intricacies of the, the windfall tax and how it's arranged. Um, just just give us kind of your your first reaction to the um, to the announcement and, and yeah, what it means for those those energy companies and, and for investors. Yeah, I mean, well, I think the first thing to say is that for the Tories, it's probably a nice distraction from Partygate and the Sue Gray report, which 
obviously has been very much at the top of the news agenda. But um, in terms of what we heard from Sunak, first of all, he was very much addressing the cost of living crisis and um, sort of discussing the fact that it is, uh, in his words, simply unacceptable. And that was before Mm. outlining this £10 billion um, package to support households who are struggling. Um, Like you say, um, the share price reaction isn't necessarily what you might think on first glance. We saw shares like SSE and Centrica, energy companies, which are not actually going to be taxed, sharply lower. Mm. And that was because um, the Chancellor said that there needs to be a major review of the market, suggesting that the windfall tax could actually be extended onto other companies soon. And then with BP and Shell, they weren't down so much. Um, you know, we're seeing oil prices push higher, so that's supporting um, the oil equity space. Um, but then on top of that, a lot of this was already signposted. We were expecting a windfall tax. Um, so perhaps some of that was already priced in. Um, you know, there's sort of two schools of thought as to whether this is a good idea or a bad idea. Um, you know, clearly the oil and gas companies have made incredible profits lately. No thanks to their fundamentals because of the war in Ukraine and the sharp mm. jump in commodity prices. But then there are questions about incentives and the fact that they were very much loss making at the height of the pandemic and there was no support given to them Quite. at that Quite. point. Um, so that's sort of my analysis, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, hugely loss making, right? And as you say, there were mm. people in the streets calling for bailouts for the oil and gas companies when the, the oil price sank to to pretty, pretty much zero for a point. Yeah, <laughs> negative. Um, below zero. <laughs> below zero. So... Um, mm. So yeah, it's it's an interesting one. It's multifaceted. You can see why the government felt minded to do something on cost of living. Yeah. It's interesting. Some of the business groups, even the ones that are considered perhaps a bit more free market, like the IOD, saying today that anything that helps consumer confidence helps the economy more generally. So there seems to be this mm. feeling that this this injection of cash um, may give households a little bit of incentive to go out and spend a bit more than they might have otherwise done. But yeah, and that's why we saw some of the retailers actually push higher um, mm. on expectations that there is a little bit more um, leeway for households and individuals in terms of um, their cost of living crisis and their just general cash in their pockets. Mm. Yeah. I, have to, I was surprised to see those retailers shoot up because Mm-mm. in the grand scheme of things, when you when you look at the, the headwinds that are facing the economy, I don't necessarily think 600 quid is going to make huge amounts of difference to people's <laughs> I mean, pockets I mean, over the course. But it's not hugely generous. So Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Yeah, one to watch, but it, I find it fascinating that we've we seem to have since the pandemic, at least, sort of pioneered in the US, really um, on a big scale. But this idea of direct payments to people, um, one-off direct payments, seems to have come in vogue in politics um, in, in these difficult times. And we'll wonder, I wonder if that will continue. Um, speaking of the mm. states. Uh, federal minute, uh, federal minutes, federal reserve minutes um, uh, out uh, yesterday. Um, you've yes. been reading them. What can we? Uh, what can we take from between the lines? Yeah, well, I mean, this is actually the bigger driver for markets today. We saw a strong rally on Wall Street, and that positivity has been extending into the Asian session and into Europe today. Um, essentially, there are a couple of takeaways. Firstly, um, the Fed has essentially signaled that it's going to carry out another two 50 basis point increases. That's the most likely scenario for now in June and July. So it's kind of an expedited uh, rate hike process to get it to more neutral, to use the Fed's lingo. Um, 
And there was also discussion about the US economy. Clearly, the Fed is very concerned about inflation, but it also judged that the US economy is very strong. So that was a positive which helped to lift markets. And also this expedited tightening process could mean that by the end of the summer, the Fed could have a bit of space for a possible pause. Um, And it's likely that we're going to see further 25 basis point hikes in autumn. But the fact that it's really pushing forward, it says, you know, it's prepared to adopt this so-called restrictive policy, which means it's willing to let the economy slow in order to tackle inflation, just really feels as though the Fed is going gung-ho when it comes to inflation, really trying to get it under control. And I think the market is very much encouraged by that kind of talk. Yeah, no, it certainly is. Um, let's stay on that side of the Atlantic for now and dig into a topic that I'm not sure if I, I enjoy talking about or not at this point, which is Elon Musk's takeover. Probably overly t- talked about. It certainly is, but we <laughs> at will... At least Musk, yeah, not Twitter, no. but Musk himself. Yeah, we will add to the um, to the commentary <laughs> around it now. Um, mm. Things are changing because as this process drags on in ever more public fashion, um, Twitter's share price has sort of had sort of had other ideas really for um, for Elon, and, and as a result, the takeover structure has had to change. Yeah, so it's been interesting. We saw Twitter shares um, make gains today, um, essentially after Musk pledged an extra just over six billion dollars in equity financing to contribute towards his forty four billion dollar offer for Twitter. This is according to a regulatory filing. Um, before this, he'd obviously put the deal on hold. Um, citing concerns about the level of spam bots on the platform. Mm. There was a lot of cynicism towards this because everyone kind of thought, well, clearly he must know how many bots there are, or at least he'd have as much information as he could before he went into this deal. So there were questions about whether he was either trying to cheapen the offer that he made or whether he was actually trying to pull out entirely. Um, but, you know, we've seen the shares bounce by about 6%. But to put it into context, there's still another near 40% to go to get back up to that agreed share price of 54.20. So the market is more optimistic than it was yesterday about a deal, but it's certainly not banking on a $44 billion deal. And there could still be no deal at all. So and in classic Musk style, there's likely to be lots of twists and turns and he's notoriously unpredictable. Yeah, he is notoriously unpredictable. Usually quite predictable at the SEC because what Elon Musk is doing on Twitter, etc., does not strike me as being within the the framework and the guidelines usually set out when it comes to to takeovers (laughs) in the US. And one assumes that the SEC at some point is going to say something to uh, to Elon, but um, they don't seem to be quite as nimble as he is. Anyway, we shall park that for now and we'll move back over here. Because um, there's a great little corporate story, but a corporate story we don't entirely know the full details of. I think uh, city terms, at least, a bit of a bombshell announcement dropped last night at 4.12pm, just a few minutes before market closed, um, that one of Britain's retail titans was stepping away, and not stepping away via a sort of stretched out transition period exit, but immediately. Yeah, I mean, normally with these departures, they sort of say, you know, I'm leaving and then they have a kind of six month handover or however many months. But um, clearly there's a bit of bad blood going on because we've seen that um, the chairman and founder of JD Sports, Peter Cowgill, has been ousted with immediate effect after 18 years. Um, And like you say, the news was announced just ahead of the market close yesterday. So we saw the majority of the market reaction yesterday, a big 
slump in the shares. Um, but we've seen an extension of those declines today. Um, but it looks as though the reason why is because he's been blocking attempts by the board to split his role of sort of exec chairman into a chairman and a chief executive. And there was also a bit of unease, I think, around his £4 million bonus Mm. um, coming off the back of the furlough scheme that the company benefited from. But it needs to be said that under his tenure since 2004, JD Sports shares have done extremely well, particularly um, since 2015 until November of last year. Um, Obviously, the stock has been under pressure um, since those highs down about 50%. But, you know, these are about big global macro factors and the general market uncertainty. But for now, the company is facing a lot of uncertainty um, when it comes to the future of the C-suite. It's looking for a new CEO and it's looking for a new chairman at the same time. It is. And it's strange because it, it was developing into a bit of a British success story. I mean, I remember when they... Much like musicians, it's not always easy for Brits to crack America, but JD Sports has done that. When they opened in Times Square, there were queues outside and they really focused mm. in very closely on on those core brands, Nike, Adidas, developing those relationships with them. And it feels like a bit of the end end of the year, I suppose, and on the high street because you obviously Mike Ashley moving away from top job at uh, Fraser's, as it's now known. Um uh, yeah, the Harry Styles of retail, should we say? Yeah, indeed. Um, <laughs> all moving away, and it just uh, yeah, it feels like moving to a new era. But certainly, two personalities moving off the retail scene that will be uh, will be greatly missed by journalists, if nobody else. Um, Victoria, <laughs> always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. That was Victoria Scholar from Interactive Investor. And that's all from me uh, on the day when the Tory party well and truly gave up on the free market. See you soon. 